Hello, everyone, and welcome to another special episode on Ascend Canada's podcast. Ascend Canada's vision is to have a diverse and inclusive Canada where Pan-Asian talent can achieve their full potential. I'm Bhavna Vigil, and I'm very excited to be your host today. In my day job, I am a partner with Ernst Young in Toronto, Canada. I've had the most amazing five years volunteering with Ascend in many different roles. There's nothing more fulfilling than giving and working with your community. In the last two years, I have been on the board of Ascend Canada. But the real reason why we're all here today is, in today's episode, we are really excited to have with us a special guest who is going to share his perspective and his years of expertise on leadership in times of crisis and how to effectively lead teams remotely. We are super pleased to welcome the founding president of Ascend Canada, Calvin Tran. He has been the light and the guiding force leading Ascend right from its inception in 2012, right till last year in 2019, before he relocated to America. In his current role, Kelvin is Chief Financial Officer of TD Bank, America's most convenient bank, where he leads a global team of more than 500 professionals responsible for planning, managing, and reporting the bank's financial results, as well as capital. He has been with TD for over 20 years in progressively senior roles. Kelvin, thank you for your time today. First things first, how are you feeling in light of the current situation? And as someone who's been through the 2007-2008 financial crisis, how does the current health and economic crisis compare with that? How does one make sense of all of this? Hi, Bafna. It's great to hear from you. And thanks for having me uh, on the podcast. I would say this is very different crisis than uh, back in 2008. Back in 2008, it was very much contained as a financial crisis. This time, it started out in March like a financial crisis, but it became a full-blown operational crisis because as stores uh, go into lockdown mode, it starts to spread and impact jobs and livelihood of everyone. And if you call in the news back then, people were hoarding toilet papers, right? Like, this is how dramatic it is. And so I would say it's quite different and quite scary, I would say. Things are much better now, and we're talking about reopening stores. And I would say I feel, in a way, privileged because I'm able to work from home. And I remember just talking to my daughter the other day. We were walking outside, and I said to her, we're working hard, but I, I'm privileged because I have the opportunity to be able to work from home. You have the frontline healthcare workers who have to still work at the hospital because their job is to save other lives. And I'm forever thankful for that. And then you have an entire industry of businesses who are considered non-essential and those businesses are shut down. So those individuals, even if they want to work, they can't. They've lost their jobs and they're going through really, really tough times. So I would say in a way, I, I feel thankful, privileged. And we just need to think about not just ourselves, but those of us who are privileged and, and have the opportunity to help our community and our friends. Let's think how we could do that, how we can reach out and touch and, and help someone. Well said, Kelvin. Well said. I mean, for a lot of uh, the millennials, you know, this is going to be their first real global crisis. They haven't had the chance to go through any of that. So what we've done is we're very interested and curious to hear your thoughts. And we've broken it into a couple of sections. The first section talks to exactly what you were alluding to right now, leadership in times of crisis. Now, in light of this pandemic, 
What, according to you, defines the importance of leadership, especially during a global crisis that none of us have ever experienced before? Well said. It's never experienced before. I think this is totally new for everyone. Even the World Health Organization is figuring out on a day-by-day basis what to do with it. I would say we need to, as leaders, we need to keep calm. There are a lot going on, and uh, people are pulled into many different directions. And something new happens every single day, if not every single hour. In March, people realize how challenging this crisis is, and now we're talking about reopening stores. And who knows what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to contain and not have a second wave? And so we need to be prepared. Great leaders are people who would help. Everyone focus on what matters because we all need to work towards one common goal. And in times of crisis, we are distracted. Now, I would say a lot of leaders would appear to be calm. They would speak calmly, they would act calmly, but their actions do not necessarily reflect that. If they are very anxious and they change their mind every hour, every day. So as a leader, people watch what you're doing. People listen to you, people look for direction. So just make sure that it is thoughtful before you act. I would say the second thing is that you know, things will not always go according to plan, and that's okay. You would expect that to happen. Just over the last few months, there are a lot of issues that could have gone better, and you would hear people complaining about this or that. And as a leader, our job is to just bring everybody back to reality. And the fact that things don't go always according to plan doesn't mean that we're unprepared. It doesn't mean that we don't know where we're going. It is okay. We've We've been trained our whole lives to take on the unexpected. So I would say trust your judgment, trust trust your experience, and then lead the way. And last but not least, I would say people's lives have been turned upside down. Uh, Be mindful of that. Uh, Be mindful of your team and what they're going through. And so your job as a leader is to think about how you can support them in their personal lives, and that will determine how successful they will be at work. Thank you for sharing that, Kelvin. And I couldn't agree more with what you just you know, recommended as leaders. And I just wish a lot more leaders would embody that, especially in times of crisis. Now, as a, you know, there are all kinds of leaders across the spectrum. What would you say are the most important skills that a leader needs for effective crisis management? I mean, everyone's doing crisis management, but to effectively lead at the forefront is not something that every leader can accomplish. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there's a, there are many different skills that are important for effective crisis management, uh, but it always boils down to the same leadership traits that makes you more effective than others. And it starts with caring about individuals around you. Because people don't care how much about how much you know until they know how much you care. And so it starts about that. And, and once you care about people, you are interested in what's happening to them. You're interested in their perspective. And that will result in having empathy. And empathy, we talked about that a lot, like leadership skills, empathetic leaders. But you cannot be an empathetic leader without truly caring about the individual because it just flows from caring about other people. And empathy is is about understanding where the other person's coming from, what their per- perspective is, and then try to take that into account as you are devising an action plan for the next steps. 
And I think if you do that, you would be able to bring everyone along to meet the common goal of your organization. Thank you so much, Kelvin. Empathy is 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 key these days. And again, we see that in a lot of messages that are coming across from leaders. But, you know, the one thing that we also wanted to discuss was in, in the crisis situation like the one we're going through right now, it brings out both the bad, but also the good. We're seeing this through everyday people who are real life heroes and doing extraordinary things, selfless acts from our medical professionals, our healthcare workers, or those in other essential jobs, you know, like a grocery store employees. How do we see the opportunity and the silver lining in a crisis? Yeah, in the crisis, you see, as you said, good and bad, because people want to protect the ones they love. And, and sometimes that looks like a selfish act, but, but it is also uh, an, an act of love. And so we should never forget about that. I would just say, give people a break before we judge. In terms of um, opportunity in the crisis, I would say a few things. First is I've learned that we should never waste a crisis because people tend to be, I would say, uh, change is hard. And, and, and to improve, whether yourself or your organization, you need to make change. You need to make bold change. And without a crisis, it's hard to change habits people are familiar with or people are comfortable so take these, this opportunity as a crisis to transform yourself, to transform the organization, and that's how you're going to be successful. And then in terms of uh, what I have observed just in my team, I'm just so proud of how they've all come together because the, the, the pandemic it has a lot of impact to the workload of my team, but it is unevenly distributed. Some people's workload has doubled while others have slowed down. And what I'm so proud of the team is that they volunteer. Those people who have a lighter workload in this situation have volunteered to step up and, and help other teams. They're you know, just completely different teams. And that makes me so proud of them because they're not just selfishly thinking about their own job, their own goal objective, but they're thinking about those of their colleagues. And by doing that, they're also taking stretch assignment because they're working on something that they would normally not work on as part of their regular day-to-day -day job. And that's, that would help them develop leadership skills and other skills. And they'll say, the last thing I want to talk about is one of our employees did uh, have a tragedy uh, impacting their family. And you know, their, their, their colleagues started a fund in order to raise money to help that, uh, their friend. And so your colleagues that you see at work are really your friends and you're not just colleagues, your friends and your neighbors. And because of that, I heard about it and we, uh, we are so pumped. We also then uh, created a webpage uh, internally and to drive donation to food banks. As you know, with the pandemic, a lot of people need uh, help. And so uh, I also pledged to match uh, the donations from my team. So we, we made it a, a good initiative, a good project, something that we could all rally around but also helping uh, friends, family, colleagues in the community at the same time. That is absolutely wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Calvin. Kudos to you and to the team. And, and for actually bringing home the fact that everyday heroes can actually be at the workplace itself, right? And in a, in a crisis, in a pandemic that we're in, within our teams, we can yeah. have everyday heroes. Um, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, the, the theme, we do have a theme of our newsletter with different things that we send out and it's actually called Everyday Heroes and we share different heroic, heroic moments from our team members. Some share that they are making masks 
or uh, face covers during the crisis uh, to help people in need. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. I wanted to move on to the next question, Kelvin, and this is, you know, we're in the current environment where we are all living in self-isolation, whether it's, you know, we're working remotely and away from our teams or whether we're away from our families and our loved ones. How do we go from self-isolation to self-development? The uh, self-development is about doing something different and learning a new skill. And I would say there are no shortages of work during the crisis. What we need is people to raise their hands and willing to help out. And that's how you're going to develop. I remember one of our board members told me at the beginning of this crisis, he said, Calvin, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to work very hard, but you're going to learn a lot because certain things in a regular day-to-day job as a CFO, you would not encounter until you've uh, gone through a crisis. And that's very true. But that's not just true for me, but for everyone, uh, if you want to step up and raise your hand, that opportunity to stretch yourself. Very true, Calvin. And, and I guess that's how we can all also reskill, upskill ourselves, and at the same time, manage our careers to the extent that we can while we're in a pandemic, right? So then how do we as co-workers, as employees in our organizations, how would you recommend as a leader that we reevaluate our goals in light of this global pandemic? It's interesting when you say goal because we have so many goals in life. I would say it's a good time to look at your personal goals first. Like forget about the work, right? Because work's always going to be there. So you need to look at what you want to achieve as, a, as an individual, as a father, as a spouse, uh, as a friend. And then think about what you would do differently. And, and then after that, then think about the goals uh, at work. And, and when you think about goals at work, you should think about the greater common goal. Because if you look at leadership, it's about thinking about the greater common good for the entire organization. And those people who exhibit that type of behavior are going to be the one who would be promoted to lead your company. Right, Because those people are not selfish, they think about the entire organization, and those are the people who would get support. So I'd say first focus on yourself and your personal lives and make sure that that is in order and you're happy and then think about work as a broader goal for the entire organization. Thank you again for that, Kelvin. Is there anything from maybe a personal example that you'd like to share where, you know, early on in the crisis, you know, how did you manage to get the message out and then... What are you doing to stay connected with your team so that they can reach that common greater goal? Right. Yeah, it's a great question because at the beginning of the crisis, there's so many moving parts. And then remember, I have to adjust personally at home with my teenagers around. And I'm the type of person who likes to walk around the office, see my team and talk to them face to face. So that was quite different. And and I couldn't imagine if I have elderly care, I have to be responsible for, or if I have very, very young kids. So I have to think about how that they're also stressed. And so we thought about how do we tell people or, or provide advice to people how to manage the situation, but in a way that is funny. And, and so I, the first thing I did was make a video on making fun of myself taking conference calls with uh, my teenagers interrupting me uh, during the call 
And I think then that's uh, that's why I was just telling people there, you know, that's the license to deal with the crisis. People have to be interrupted during calls, and then I start getting emails on, well, this is what's happening to them because they have to change diapers at the same time that they're getting the call. So uh, sometimes they would put us on pause. We would ask questions that individual cannot answer right away because their hands are busy. And we just need to be patient, right? In the past, we are punctual. We want people to come on time and ask a question. We want them to answer. But I think uh, in this situation, you just need to be flexible and understand that uh, people deal with it in their own way. And so what I started to do is even adapting my style. I, you know, I make sure that people don't have long pre-mail documents because then that would force people to be in front of the computer as they're having a call. Then they cannot multitask, right? So we need to think about that. We also need to think about when I provide feedback to them on a particular long document, I usually like to do it once and for all. But knowing that everybody has a different schedule, they may have 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. So what I try to do is cut my review into a few sections. And when, I'm, when I have half the work done, I'll send some feedback to them so they can start looking into it. So it's really thinking about how I could facilitate their work and as opposed to everybody needs to adapting their environment too much. Those are some great examples, Kelvin. I'm so glad you shared them. And it makes it more relevant and brings it home. Like in a crisis, when you see your team members either involved in uh, personal responsibilities with their family, with their seniors, you know, and how we are all learning to accommodate everyone as we are all going through this journey of living in the new normal. The examples gave us a small facet and a brief glimpse into how you might have developed as a leader during the crisis, but is there anything special that you've learned about yourself as a leader? Right. As a leader, you learn how resilient you are and how resilient your team members are. Every time I talk to one of my team members, I try to get to know them even a little bit more through the call. That I try to end the call early so I can join another call a little bit earlier. And because I'm early at the other call, I can have a small chit-chat and get to know them better. And everybody's dealing with, like I said, very, very different personal issues. And, you know, they're so strong. And so I've learned at a very young age, even uh, as you know, my background, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. As a refugee, I left my home country and my family when I was very young in the middle of the night on a boat. And we spent six days at sea. And we, we lived in a refugee camp with nothing on our backs but our clothes. And that taught me a lot. That taught me that as living with a lot of people who were in the refugee camp who are like us, that we can survive hardship and it's the willing to, to live and outrun challenges that are in front of you, that would determine your, your success. And I think in a way, you know, crises are never good, but if there's a positive thing that comes out of the crisis is that people will, and all of us will learn how resilient we truly are and that would help us build confidence over time. Thank you for sharing that, Kelvin. I think you've, just by sharing, you know, how in your journey from as a child, when you were as a refugee to where you, how accomplished and successful you are right now in your career, as a leader, you've demonstrated that you're, you know, you're vulnerable and you're opening your vulnerability and that itself creates an environment of empathy and trust. So thank you for sharing that with us. We've gone through the first section, which was more or less about leadership in times of crisis. Now we want to know, how do we, as a leader, how would you consider leading teams remotely in the current environment? And we have a few questions lined up for you there. 
Currently, we're in week 12 of the work from home experience, and there is no immediate end in sight at the moment. And whatever boundaries that there were between work and life have meshed together and kind of disappeared. Working at a distance means working with virtual groups where trust, rapport, and understanding can be hard to develop. What are some things that you would advise as a leader should be doing to be there for their teams? I know you've given us enough examples and you know we've briefly touched upon this, but if you wanted to expand a little bit more, Kelvin, that would be nice. Thanks, Daphna. I would say, again, be flexible. We've had, think about scheduling. It's probably the toughest thing for my team members, and I'm sure within different teams there are different challenges. So, for example, last week I had I had invited somebody to come and speak to my management team, and, and so I, I can't make it that early because I have young kids. And so I said, okay, fine, we'll just rejig the agenda uh, and have her join us later. And And I would say... Two things to note there. One is that she was comfortable enough to raise the issue and say, well, you know, this doesn't work for me. Can we reject the time? And and I think that's important. As a leader, uh, we talk about what we do, but in times of crisis, if you want feedback, if you want to be able to deal with situations that are different from everyone, that trust was built a year, two years ago, if you know what I mean. It's, it's through various actions leading up to that point that that individual is comfortable enough to say, the timing doesn't work for me to come to a very senior group to make that presentation. And then secondly, you as a leader need to be open to those ideas and just your schedule to be flexible. And that's what I did too when I managed a global team when I was CFO of TD Securities. I had a team in, in Singapore and I remember talking to them for the first time, just about chit-chatting about their work and their meetings. And they thought, oh, yeah, I have meetings with people in Toronto very frequently. Usually it's during dinner. And I go, what do you mean? Well, because of the timing, time zone difference. And, you know, they're eating dinner while, while it's morning here in Canada. And so I, I heard about that. And since then, I purposely booked the call for when it's their morning and I would be, it would be in the evening in Canada. And that's the least I could do to adapt to what's convenient for them. So I would say that's important. It's also important to stay connected. We have these weekly newsletters for the, all of U.S. finance. It is called Stay Connected on various topics. We have staff filming themselves for cooking lessons and then uh, or how they are coping with the crisis now that they have new coworkers at home. And then we have one, uh, we now have a series talking about Good news stories, sharing good news stories from our team members, because there's enough, obviously, bad news out there that we want to share good news to lift everybody up. And then the work would be there, and that's fairly simple, I would say, compared to the emotional well-being of our employees. That's what I want to focus on. That's a wonderful thought process, Kelvin. I mean, focusing first on the emotional well-being of your teams and your co-workers And once they're in that safe zone, then automatically work will also continue to be delivered. But there are certain instances, Kelvin, where, you know, it is uncertainty. And these are unprecedented times. There's a lot of change for many employees. And some still might feel unmotivated or, or discouraged. What are some of the things you would, as a leader, do to help them stay focused and productive? Right. Well, me as a leader doesn't mean I'm Superman. <laughs> I, there are days that I feel unmotivated and discouraged as well. So what I try to do is stay positive. 
like I said, the first thing you need to do is make sure that your family is taken care of, right? Because family is good, but they could be a distraction to work, uh, especially you all cramping in the same same house. And so if they're happy, then you're happy. If they're unhappy, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be productive. So make sure that you take care of your family first. And then do something that makes you happy, that you enjoy, whether it is cooking, whether to me, uh, through the crisis, it is eating healthier. I started taking walks outside as I'm taking phone calls. I'm learning new recipes. I'm doing exercise. I'm in the middle of a 30-day challenge uh, with my daughter. And then a few days ago, I started a push-up challenge with my son. So how do you get various members of your family involved with certain activities that would make you happy? And hopefully, uh, it's the same for them. For me, that makes me more productive, and but it's going to be a very personal thing. But you need to spend less time worrying about work. Thank you, Kelvin. One of the questions that we wanted to know was, how do you see the road ahead? And what will differentiate the companies that successfully come out of this crisis, this social, economic, health crisis versus the ones that don't? I would say it's not about the company. If you focus on the company, you will be wrong. I would say you need to focus on how this would change your customers' behavior. I work in a bank environment. So for banks, the customers we remember which bank was there for them in times of need, right? And in the crisis, you probably see less people going to branches. They'll do more mobile banking or phone banking. So focus on their change and then focus on the change of your employees. We've seen huge uh, increases in uh, employee engagement score uh, during this crisis. So it tells us that our employees actually like working from home and they're being productive. So we need to think about how this would change the way they work, where they work. Successful companies are companies that would adapt to the changing needs of their customers and employees. If you follow that recipe, you will be successful. That's a pretty pertinent insight, Kelvin. Thank you so much. And all the more reason for us to be more agile and more remote in this remote working environment for us to all realize that automation and technology even if we're not being able to see each other face-to-face, we can leverage automation and technology to make sure we're still connected. Let's shift gears to another topic. We're seeing COVID-19 exacerbates certain cultural biases. In particular, the Asian community has been targeted with some demonstrations of intolerance. And that's not just uh, you know limited in, in the Americas, just to the U.S., but we've seen some closer here in Canada as well. Like, for instance, referring to COVID-19 as the Chinese virus or not ordering food from Chinese restaurants. You know, it's, it's in some ways, this is bias that is spreading. How do we deal with this? And, and how do we deal with this subtle racism and speak up against not only in the workplace, but also, you know, within our personal and social circles? Would you have any advice? Right. This is a, obviously a very personal question, something that I care deeply about. With racism and biases, I find it's very much based on how, what was our individual upbringing. I don't think that people are necessarily born to be racist, but depending on their upbringing, they may be taught different things and the wrong way to look at and or deal with people who are different from them. So I think that education is really important. You know, how they how people dealt with the virus uh, during this crisis is a, a knee-jerk reaction, maybe one of self-preservation, or they think it's self-preservation. 
by avoiding or ordering from Chinese restaurants. But that is because they lack uh, education and you need to educate them. And, and you could do that by building allies because if you are from the Asian community and you speak out on this, this bias, it seems very self-serving. But if you have strong connection and you have allies outside of the Chinese or Asian community, and they could also join you in uh, shining the light on this very important topic. And once you see an injustice uh, or some biases, I think it's our job to call it out. And a lot of people didn't realize that they were being biased or they were saying something that could hurt you. So calling it out is also an opportunity to educate individuals and do that on the spot because uh, that's, that's usually the best way to get people to realize that they could have done something differently. I'm glad you brought that up, Kelvin, because that brings to home the recent events that we're seeing right now currently in the U.S. and the ripple on effects across the globe and even here in Canada with the racial inequalities that have come to the forefront and the social injustices that African-Americans are going through in America right now. It is more important now more than ever before to increase that level of awareness and education and to celebrate differences of background and ethnicities. What are your thoughts on how, you know, leaders like this in such a socio-economic and health crisis can help build trust? And this is not just within organizations now, right? This goes, this is pervasive, goes beyond. And also demonstrate empathy across this ecosystem so that, you know, we can create more opportunities for equality. Right. Bad things grow in the dark, right? So when you see injustice, you need to shine a light on it. You need to call it out. And, you know, one of my colleagues, we do have internal blogs on this topic. And one of my colleagues said, well, look back to your days in high school. You would have seen somebody being bullied. And if you did nothing, didn't you wish you would have done something? You're looking back. And I think that's a really good call out for all of us to, this is our time to redeem ourselves for not fighting back against the bullies when we were young. And it's about awareness, about education. Now, not everybody's comfortable expressing their views or opinions in this situation because they don't know how, they are afraid that they say the wrong things, people would perceive them incorrectly. I would say it's a journey and dealing with school bullies is the same thing. It doesn't mean that you know, the only way is to go and confront the bully directly. And, but each of us could help in our own way by calling the teacher, by getting other people to uh, recognize the issue, by supporting your friend who is being bullied and de- lending them an ear to listen to their problems. So there are various ways. And we as a community, there's lots of opportunity to help. And also by educating ourselves and our family. What I've done in the last few weeks is I, uh, I spent time talking to my kids about these issues and and how they should deal with it and that there is injustice in the world. And then you need to take action. It's not not just talking about it. If you recall back now, back in Canada, I was very, very excited about the opportunity of helping this new organization called the Black Female Accountants Network and and to provide them with career advice, uh, connect them with meaningful uh, networks. And this is how you're going to help people grow in their career. When I was young, my parents worked in factories in Canada because they didn't have the Canadian experience, even though they were very competent in their jobs back in my home country. So I didn't have the uncles or aunties who would uh, help me 
prepare for an interview in corporate America, let alone how to dress up for interviews. So, you know, I want to make sure that I'm there for people who would need me, provide the advice on how to perform better at work and think about the world differently. And like I said earlier, one of the most important things is connect them with the right network. It's really, really important. I remember, Kelvin, I remember clearly, and I'm so proud that Ascend, even though our vision is to be leading Pan-Asian growth, we we try our best to help and work with all other communities. And in particular, the Black Female Professional Woman Accountants Network was, you know, it's a great initiative that we have at Ascend. You know, these are some really amazing insights, Kelvin. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the candidness with which you have shared these perspectives specifically on what leaders can do to effectively lead their companies during this unprecedented time of uncertainty. And you have also gone a little above and beyond that by giving us not just guidance, but also, you know, tools and tips on how can we get out there and get engaged and more involved, whether it's from a personal perspective, whether it's from a family perspective, from a coworker lens, or from a customer point of view. So thank you. Are there any final thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, first, thanks for the opportunity. I know that I've moved down to the U.S. I'm glad that you still remember me. This is a great opportunity for me to share my thoughts. I would say the last thing is that I've always said this before. In life, it's never about you. It's about the people around you. If you spend the time and dedicate your energy making other people successful, then you will be successful. Just So just remember that. And I can actually vouch and say that, you know, um, you've actually demonstrated that. So you do walk the talk and you have demonstrated that, Kelvin. And of course, this thing, Canada is not going to forget you. You're our papa bear. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so we, much. We will always, 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 you know, um, be with you as, as you will be connected to Ascend Canada. So on behalf of myself, I also wanted to give a big thank you to Ascend Canada for giving me the opportunity to host this wonderful session with you, Kelvin. And on behalf of our listeners, I'd like to thank you for joining us today and for sharing these wonderful insights on this so relevant topic today. Thank you so very much, Kelvin. Well, thank you all. I hope you leave a comment and share this post. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye.